1: Hello
2: and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Don't hesitate to contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com, and you can go to our website to hear podcasts of any and all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright. Today is November 13, 2015, and we're very pleased to be talking with Louis Yanis, founder of Macro Trend Strategies. Louis talks to us from their headquarters just outside of Denver, Colorado. Louis, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio.
3: Thanks for inviting me.
2: Louis, uh, let's begin with about a 90-second biography of Louis Yanis here.
3: Okay. Uh, I began my career in investments uh, over 22 years ago. Back in uh, 1994, my first job. I was working for a Wall Street firm called Kemper Securities, and I was an investment consultant. My job at that time was to basically find new clients for the custom, for, uh, for the firm. We were a large brokerage firm, had a big research shop based out of Chicago, and we worked with high net worth individuals. That was really how I, how I got started, and it was an interesting journey because when I got going there, I was very successful in finding new clients, and we were in a situation where we were providing research and, and investment management based on research for some of the best firms out there, you know, your Goldman Sachs of the world, your Credit Suisse of the world. And over time, one of the things I realized was, and I saw this firsthand, is many of the clients that we had were having kind of lackluster and average results. And I was, you know, I was kind of scratching my head. I'm like, why is this happening? We've got... The, the best uh, research out there that can be bought. We had slews of analysts internally to generate uh, results for clients but yet they were very average and and what I came to find out is that a lot of it was due to uh, just constraints in the overall industry, constraints relative to how money is managed. So at that time I just rolled up my sleeves and I said, you know, that's not why I got in this business. I didn't get in the investment management business to have average result. I really decided I was going to codify and and look at all the greatest investors I could find. And it didn't matter what discipline, whether it be whether it be technical traders or whether it be fundamental valuation managers. And I just really wanted to find out who was doing really well and why they were doing well. And what I came to find out over that time period is that the most successful investment strategists generally, number one, were, were very disciplined, but they tended to use a combination of both fundamental analysis and technical concepts and behavioral finance type concepts. And over a period of years, I I developed an investment strategy based on evidence. I I call it the evidence-based investment management approach, where I'm really looking for explanatory variables to determine how you trade and how you invest. During that process, I I worked for a, a hedge fund, and one of my jobs for several years was doing a lot of programming, so I did a lot of... Uh, quantitative analysis and programming in the futures markets. We traded the S&P 500 contracts, the bond contracts, and we were—you know—that was back in the day when the internet was in its infancy, infancy, and you know we would have to call the desk and and uh, listen to the what was going on. But even back then, we had computerized systems, lots of computerized systems that were monitoring the markets. And I learned some very valuable things during that process. I learned that you can use uh, systematic approaches to identify opportunities at a level that the human brain really can't wrap their head around because there's only so many things the human brain can do at once, whereas a computer, you you program the computer, you use your brain to tell the computer what to do, and the computers can give you a lot more information. So that was a very eye-opening approach. So uh, I went on to work as a senior portfolio manager for a large bank uh u s bank I was managing a little over three hundred million dollars there and uh, and I, I ran into the same problem you know the same problems with uh, the industry constraints that were Uh, tied to traditional asset allocation. So that's when I decided to start my own firm, MacroTrend Strategies, uh, where we're focused in on evidence-based investment strategies designed to not only do the traditional asset allocation that you, you see on Wall Street, but also to provide absolute return strategies, and we can talk a little bit more about that Throughout this process, but and that's where you know where we are today.
2: Okay, so you are a registered investment advisor and a commodities trading advisor, both correct? Yes. So you work we, in we, uh, in what markets? You work obviously in the equities markets. Do you work in the fixed income markets? And you apparently work in the commodities markets?
3: Yes. Yeah, we, we're really cross the board. We track and we follow markets all throughout the globe. We track uh, stocks. Commodities, currencies, and fixed income and interest rate markets, and we really, in our commodity. Let me just kind of talk a little bit about on the on the managed future side, on the commodity trading advisor side. In that is the most diverse part of what we do. In that part of our work, we manage accounts that are really diverse You know, we, we look for trends, emerging trends throughout the market and we don't really care whether the markets are going up or whether the markets are going down so we're, we take both long and short positions and one of the things that's beautiful about the futures markets that a lot of people don't recognize is that unlike the equity markets when the markets get really, really tough you probably have heard this but when the markets get really, really tough a lot of people don't realize all the stocks start correlating together and they all move down together. Same thing with the bonds. So when we need diversification the most, we don't get it.
2: Yeah, there's an old saying that uh, we've heard many times on this show, and that is uh, the only thing that rises in a bear market is correlation.
3: (laughs) That's right. That's right. And I I wrote a, a back... And I believe it was in 19, no, 2004. I wrote a, in a book that's published by John Wiley, a book called uh, *The Handbook of Risk*. I wrote a, a chapter called "Converging Correlations in Market Shocks," uh, sh- actually showing the actual correlations, rolling correlations over time, and what asset classes tended to do. And the market structure has changed since then, since we have a lot more government intervention than we did back then, and it's getting increasingly more difficult to see those those stresses in the market. But that's so getting back to the point that I was leading to is that so you have in the equity markets you have this problem with converging correlations. Well, what's nice about the the futures market is you've got a huge, diverse, non-correlated group basket of liquid instruments that you can trade both long and short. Yeah. You know, for example, uh, cotton has very little to do with the U.S. dollar, and natural gas has very little to do with cocoa, and you, you know. So there's there's just a lot more opportunity, and you can you know observe it quantitatively if you do a look at a correlate of the U.S. stock market and you compare that to a correlation matrix in the liquid futures markets. There's a huge difference.
2: Yeah, and uh, so and, and, and what, Go ahead. I was going to say uh, people have been singing that tune for some time in regards to commodities, and that can be a great benefit there. Uh, We'll be right back. Uh, We need to stop and take a short break here, Lewis. We'll be right back. We're talking with Lewis Yanis, founder of Macro Trend Strategies out of Denver, Colorado. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. And we'll be right back.
1: And now back to our show and Charlie. Thank you, Paul.
2: We're talking with Louis Yanis, founder of Macro Trend Strategies out of Denver, Colorado. Louis, tell us you, you're an RIA and a CTA, and uh, you manage money for individual clients, all for, so for institutions or just private individuals?
3: Mostly private individuals, but we have a little bit of money with institutions as well.
2: Okay. And then uh, uh, tell us, did you have several strategies? Do you have several uh, portfolios you put people into? Or do you have one particular favorite one that you recommend for people? How do you do that?
3: Well, we have a couple of different strategies. Types of strategies. We have a traditional strategy that's. I know it's not really the topic of this conver- this conversation, but we have a traditional strategy that is primarily long-only uh, diversified equities and fixed incomes and commodities and alternatives. And then we have our managed futures uh, program, and that's called the Global Horizon program. And we have two types of kind of subsets of that strategy. You can go to program A or Program B. Program A is has a higher minimum. It's for uh, more wealthy individuals. And it tends to be more, it has more markets in it. And then there's a smaller version of that same methodology but with a different basket of, of instruments you know which is really based for investors who have a smaller minimum because because of the volatility that limits the universe to some degree
2: okay so and,
3: you and, go either way
2: and your portfolios uh, like, like you said they can be long short or in cash do you use
3: leverage with those yes yes we do we leverage is an interesting uh, interesting thing with the, the key with managed futures is to manage your volatility. And to position size, we have a very rigorous way that we position size, where we look to limit the amount of risk we take per opportunity to between 0.5% and 1.5% of trading equity. That that's the that is kind of the you know we we manage risk in several different ways. Uh, the first way is at the individual position level, and that's that 0.5 to 1.5% that we talked about. And then the second way is by group. So we have a systematic way that we're monitoring on an ongoing basis. We're monitoring the markets to see which markets are actually moving together. And we don't want to have too much exposure to markets that are moving simultaneously, so we limit that. And then we also limit the overall risk exposure to the, the overall portfolio based on our risk profile. And We call that open risk. and our general open risk, uh, we try to limit it to 15%. Okay, and so and we have an algorithm to reduce risk if we fall outside of those boundaries.
2: Okay, and do you uh, use options at all for hedging?
3: No, we do not use options for hedging. Okay, Uh, it's a directional strategy, and uh, you know we use stop orders. We we use exits. We predefine our risk before we enter a position. For example, if we're going long gold, we'll have a certain Price trigger point that we want are looking for, and if we get entered in at that point, we know before we even get in where we're going to put our protective measures in. So, and that also that risk that we call initial risk determines the amount of contracts that we take because that you know we want to limit our risk based on the normal volatility of the instrument. We want to give the you know we want to give the positions enough room to withstand normal volatility. We're trying to capture emerging trends, so you want to give it enough room so we take smaller position size and give them more room. Okay,
2: and it sounds like you're in markets but not individual stocks. Is that accurate?
3: Not in the Global Horizon program. In the Global Horizon program, it's purely managed future. In our other strategies, we have exchange. primarily in exchange-traded funds and some mutual funds.
2: Okay, but no individual stocks in. So you you guys are not stock pickers. No. Okay, and no. how do I you use
3: technical? Did it a long time. Ago.
2: Okay, how do you use technical analysis? Is it done on kind of a global scale? This is a time to be in or out of the U.S. stock market, or does each and every position uh, have its own technical analysis indicators that you're watching?
3: General approach is every single market has its own. Uh, explanatory variables that we're looking at. and we rank those so we we look at it's kind of like a funnel process where we start and say, okay, here's our universe that we want to select from and that universe is based on liquidity and, and you know operational th- things that are going to you know make it a tradable instrument. And then we whittle that down based on the ones that have the most explanatory variables that are telling us that we should have a trend developing, an emerging trend, whether it be up or down. And we whittle that down. That goes to about 30 to 35% of the universe. And then from there, we have specific trigger points where we enter the positions. And it's important to, to note that the, the reason why we select something for a position is primarily quantitative price trends but we also have another element to it that is more related to macro fundamental variables so we are watching the macro fundamental variables and let me give you an example of that. Right now if you pick up your Wall Street Journal and you and you open it up, you'll see the French two-year rate is at a, got a negative interest rate. The German interest rate's at a negative point. Would you lend uh, money to the government at a negative interest rate? Or would you lend a lot of money to Germany for 2% for 10 years? Um, I don't know if that, that makes a whole lot of sense given that uh, dividend, the dividend yield on the S&P is over 2% and the earnings yield is about 5.7%. You know, those types of things. I'm just using the simplified example, but... We believe in using both fundamental and technical variables to determine what markets to trade.
2: Okay, and most of the time, okay, I know you're constantly changing, but you will have about how many positions going on at a particular time? 10 to 20, or is it 100 to 200? Uh, What's the range here?
3: Well, uh, on on the Program A, on the Global Horizons uh, uh, strategy, we generally we max out at about 12 to 15 positions. And that's the law, the, the buy and hold one, correct? No, that's the no, that's no. the managed futures. That's the managed we have, futures. If we, okay. Yeah, if we were on all all cylinders and all the trends are locking in and everything is clicking, we could have 12 to 15 per, uh, positions.
2: Okay. Okay, and so,
3: yeah, so and then, but, all, but our, okay. the average um, I think seven to eight is on average.
2: I see. Okay, so 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 you're rather rather heavily invested in particular positions here. At, yeah, at, we risk, we risk between
3: time. 0.5 and 1.5 percent of capital. Our margin to equity is generally under 15 percent, so we generally don't have more than 15 percent of the cash uh, committed. Oh, really?
2: I see. Okay. All right. yeah,
3: because because you when you post margin on a futures contract, so the margin posting is somewhere around 10%. If you want to look at the leverage ratio, which would be like the notional value right. uh, over the equity, that, that position uh, will max out at maybe two to two and a half times equity.
2: Okay. And are you typically more heavily invested, whether long or short? Are you more heavily focused and invested on equities markets, on fixed income markets, on commodities markets?
3: Where do you really we're focus agnostic- more? We're, we're agnostic to, we're, uh, to any particular sector, so we don't have a bias here. Now, uh, in terms of long versus short, we give it. And, and if we go, we go back and we look at these things quantitatively. If you go back in time, if you look at capturing trends, if you, it doesn't make sense to be. All long or all short or even balanced long and short, you really have to give yourself room to go between thirty and fifty percent net long or thirty and fifty percent net short with that said we, we can we can tilt back and forth like for example right now we 're net short because all the commodities are going down right now you know we have very few long positions we 're long the u s dollar right now many of the positions we have are are going down, but in terms of sector we don 't care we 're agnostic the, the the only thing that 's going to limit us from taking a sector opportunity, taking a position, would be if our risk management is being un- is being violated. So if, if we get too many shorts in grains, for example, or too many shorts in stocks or longs in stocks, we, we'll limit that to our, our risk management rules.
2: Okay, and one final question before we take another break here. Are you typically, uh, in, at any particular time, uh, more focused on being long or short or in particular markets, or do you, you just take whatever comes? Uh, do you use any kind of uh, discretion or these kind of automatic trades?
3: It's primarily systematic, but we do have a discretionary overlay. Computers are, are, are great because we're basically telling the computer what we want to do. But there are times when we will override the system, where we'll, we'll go in and say, okay, because, and I'll give you an example, in the Chinese market, we were along the Chinese market. Well, it was, uh, you might remember, it was skyrocketing.
2: It was, it was. Just yeah.
3: absolutely taken off. And actually it is again. <laughs> it's starting to head back up very, yeah. very aggressively. Well, they came, came out with some rules in the international futures markets limiting how you can manage your trades. And at that point, we go, no, we're not trading that market. We took it off our list. We're always looking at the macro fundamentals, the geopolitical environment, to see if there's any reason we should or should not be including a market or if we should be emphasizing a certain area more than another area. Right now, we're in a very unique situation because most markets are going down most markets are going down and you know commodities are going down the global currencies are going down you have some equities that are up to flat over the last 12 months uh, but in general we have not had a huge uh, up in the equity market so it's a, it's a very interesting scenario so there's a lot of money flowing into the US dollar you can see the US dollar moving higher and you know we have a lot of constraints and because of government intervention that's causing a lot of stresses in the markets. I think a lot of people don't recognize that.
2: Yeah, probably a lot of
3: volatility in my opinion.
2: Yes, there is, and if interest rates start to rise, we'll probably see more of that. We need to take our last quick break here, Lewis. We're talking with Lewis Giannis in a very interesting interview, founder of Macro Trend Strategies out of Denver, Colorado. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on O C Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. today's Financial Minute, we're talking with Mike McDaniel of Riskalyze. Mike, what do you have for us today?
4: The investment landscape is fraught with stereotypes that hurt investors. So as you said, I'm Mike McDaniel, co-founder of Riskalyze. And one of the stereotypes that we see that damages investor success is the over-importance commonly placed on investors' age when determining investment allocation. There's ample evidence now that suggests that investors' age or even their time horizon isn't a meaningful foundation to blindly follow in a manner that would build an investment allocation upon. So risk wise technology objectively calculates investor risk tolerance and converts that to a risk number. And it's with that data that we're able to uncover some significant information that really shatters the practice of using investor age or time horizon as the sole foundation for asset allocation. So our data shows that between 26 and 53% of investors actually fall outside of their stereotypical age-based risk tolerance. So perhaps most fascinating to us is the glaring misrepresentation of investor risk tolerance at what I call the bookends, so those starting to save and those starting retirement. So our data suggests that 37% of investors in their 60s actually have a higher risk tolerance than their stereotypical you know, process would suggest. And perhaps more interesting to me and, and unfortunately more detrimental is the fact that over 25% of the 30-somethings out there, those who are in their 30, you know, 30s, are invested in excess of their risk tolerance, really priming them to make irrational decisions when, not if, markets fall. So the 60-plus-year-olds have a higher risk preference than the typical stereotypical uh, allocation methods would suggest, and the 30-somethings have less risk tolerance than what is stereotypically assumed for them. So risk-alized suggests that stereotypes are not a good ingredient for fearless investing.
2: Excellent advice here, Mike, uh, and certainly not the kind of thing that we're typically hearing. If somebody wants to learn more, how do they reach you?
4: The easiest place to contact us is through our website at riskalize.com.
2: Spell that for us, will you?
4: R-I-S-K. A-L-Y-Z-E dot com.
2: Okay, or they can check out our weekly show on O C octalkradio.net. Mike, thank you today for some very welcome advice.
4: And now back to Charlie to wrap up our interview.
2: Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Louis Yanis, founder of Macro Trend Strategies out of Denver, Colorado. Louis, a question we like to ask all of our guests here. What keeps you awake
3: at night? Probably the biggest thing that keeps me awake at night is the government intervention that's happening throughout the world and thinking about how that's going to be affecting all of our markets, not only equities but real estate markets and all the cash markets and the currencies. And that's really a longer-term concern. Uh, So I, I really believe that managing risk is the number one Job of an asset manager in today's environment, and it should always have been, always be that. But it's more important now than ever.
2: Tell us, when you say government intervention, you're talking about central bank things.
3: Yes, both fiscal and monetary policy issues. Okay. You know, money being printed. You know, throughout the world, massive QE. You know, problems with deficits and issues surrounding you know how we're going to manage those deficits over time in the developed markets, not so much in the emerging markets.
2: Well, you must read the Wall Street Journal like I do because they've been singing that tune for a long time, <laughs> and uh, we, yeah, haven't really yeah, seen, yeah. we haven't really seen we haven't seen terrible effects from that yet. But things are going okay until you uh, go over the falls, also. You know, and so you you never know when that tipping point could occur here. No question about it. Lots of people uh, share that very, very same concern. The second question we always like to ask is, what book on investing would you recommend to our
3: listeners? There's so many books that I love. One of my favorite books is uh, George Soros. He's got a little pamphlet called the, The Soros Lectures. It's a little tiny book that is a basically a transcription of some speeches that he did speaking at a university in Europe. It is very profound. There is a lot of great information that can help people understand how markets really work. There is one other, one other book, if, if any of your listeners are interested in technical analysis, I keep talking about the concept of evidence-based technical analysis. There's a gentleman by the name of David Aronson who wrote a book called Evidence-Based Technical Analysis. and That's an excellent book, too, to understand the differences between kind of your classical technical analysis where people look at charts and comparing and contrast that to thinking more like a doctor and using evidence and statistics to verify you know, strategies and tactics.
2: Well, thank you. Those are both recommendations we've not heard before. How could someone find a pamphlet by George Soros?
3: I'm sorry, I didn't hear
2: you. How could someone find a pamphlet about George Soros' lecture?
3: Oh, you can buy the You can buy it on Amazon. Okay. Soros' Lectures. And
2: the title do you, do you Soros' lectures, that's uh, that's what it's called?
3: The Soros lecture lectures, I believe is the title.
2: Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. So, what is your contact information here for people who want to know more here, Lewis?
3: Probably the easiest way to learn more is if you go to freedomforgood.com. You just spell out freedom for, not the number four, but F O R. Freedomforgood.com. You can get more information. Actually, for a limited time, I've got a new book coming out called Financial Freedom Blueprint and we're giving a limited number of copies away for free to your listeners. If they want to go there, they can definitely sign that up and sign up and get a, a free copy of that book should be coming out in January. And we're also sending out some reports on practical practical uh, ways to manage risk. Great. Uh, that's probably the best way to learn more.
2: Okay. And, and the title of that book again?
3: Financial Freedom Blueprint.
2: Financial Freedom Blueprint. Okay, very good. Yeah, well, we talk hope talk a lot to...
3: about the whole section on evidence-based uh, investment management there.
2: Okay, great. Well, evidence-based investment management is not a, a term we hear very often, so uh, it's something that people uh, would do well to look up. Before we close here, what final words do you
3: have for our listeners here, Lewis? I think uh, one thing I would like to mention just for the average individual investor is to consider having taken a hard look at alternatives in general. Alternatives meaning strategies that are looking to generate absolute returns. They're not following an index. They're not trying to beat the S&P. They're actually just trying to make money regardless of the environment. And uh, I think that that's one of the strongest things that investors could do right now to have the flexibility to have alternative investments that can try to make money regardless of the environment and be non-correlated to traditional stocks and bonds.
2: Okay, very good, thank you. And, and well, one final question I just thought of: Do you work with other advisors, or do you work strictly with uh, individual investors?
3: Uh, we do work with registered investment advisors on the on the RIA side because you have to be licensed to do that uh, as an RIA. On the on our RIA side, we also work with advisors on the CTA side as well. Those advisors need to be registered as as a as a commodity. They need to have a Series Three. Uh, just depends on what kind of channel you're in.
2: Okay. Well, Lewis, thank you very much. You've given us a lot to think about here, a lot to understand, and we appreciate your input very much and offer our best wishes to you to move forward productively to certainly protect and hopefully grow your clients' assets here. Again, we've been talking with Louis Yanis, founder of Macro Trend Strategies out of Denver, Colorado. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies like today that you are not hearing elsewhere. Again, you can contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. You can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. This is Charlie Wright. We wish you...
0: Wright is an investment advisor representative with Partner Vest Advisory Services LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Partner Vest Advisory Services LLC or Charlie Wright. Partner Vest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.